where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Good morning. The scripture says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and God's praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof, and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt God's name together. I bring greetings to you from the Rocky Mountain Conference of the United Church of Christ. I traveled just a, uh, about an hour to get here, so not too long and not too short. Uh, glad to be present with you here in this moment of worship and sanctuary. I would ask that you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer as we discern together what it is that God would say to us, what God would interpret to our hearts. Lord, I will lift mine eyes to the hills, knowing that my help is coming from you. Your peace you give me in times of the storm. You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands in total praise to you. O oh God, we come to you as it is now preaching time. You know who I am and who I am not. You know what I am and what I am not. So I ask you in this moment, O oh God, to use me and all of my flaws to bring about a perfect blessing for these your people. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray that we ask all these things. Amen. Journey with me for a moment to the middle of your Bible. If you were to take your Bible and just plop it down on the floor, it, it would open to the Psalms. So you don't have to do that right now. I'm just saying for future reference, Psalms 20. Now please allow me to read this in your hearing. The Lord answer you in the day of trouble. The name of God, the God of Jacob, protect you. May God send help for you from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. 
May God remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May God grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout with joy for your victory and in the name of our God set up our banners. May God fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord will help God's anointed. God will answer the anointed from God's holy heaven with mighty victories by his right hand. Key verse. Some boast in chariots and some of horses, but we boast of the name of the Lord our God. They will collapse and fall, but we shall rise and stand upright, give victory to the King, O Lord. Answer us when we call. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. I'd like to invite us to reflect this morning from this thought. Consider the source. Consider the source. Some trust in chariots, others in horses, but we praise the Lord's name. Consider the source. The internet is an excellent source of information. All of it is true. This is a direct quotation from Benjamin Franklin, 17th President of the United States of America. At least that's what I found on the internet. It, it must be true, it was, it was enshrined in a meme with a picture of who I think was William Shakespeare, but, but I'm sure it's just my recollection and history's recollection of what Ben Franklin looked like that was wrong. Because the internet said it, and it must be true. When I did an internet search to find out words of pith and wisdom about sources of information, I was led to a series of quotations. These quotations were a treasure trove, teeming with words of wisdom about sources of, of information. And in fact, these uh, were memes about uh, Ben Franklin and so many others who spoke about modern day issues. And I'm wondering how they knew. Now, we all know that Benjamin Franklin, while the sources of, of much wisdom, such as a penny saved, is a cleanliness is next to well done is better than well said. I uh, bet you didn't know that one. I didn't either. But it's so true. He also said, no gains without pains. And so much more. But he had not an iota of an idea about the thing we call the internet. Nor was he the 17th or any number in the succession of U.S. presidents in this yet-to-be United States of America. But the internet is a source of information and it can't possibly be filled with fake or alternative facts, can it? How do we sort through what is false and what is real? 
How do we wade the world wide web and discern whether the facts are factual or alternative? I found something that might help us. It's called the crap test. That's spelled for just for your information C R A A P. It's an acronym for currency, relevance, authority, accuracy, and purpose. Without going into too much detail, the test is to help a person discern or see clearly through what is fact and what is fiction, what is valuable and what is void, what is helpful and what is harmful, what is beneficial and which is bust, by giving us tools by which we might consider the source. From where does it come? With what reputation does it come? And for which purpose does it come? Has it come to empower us or to scare us? Has it come to educate or to provoke? Has it come to inform or to influence? Has it come to connect us or to con us? The same discernment can be used when considering the source of power of strength and of might. What is power and who has the power? Why do they have the power and how is that power being used? Is it being used as a force for justice, righteousness, and peace? Or is it being used as a utility for selfishness and greed? Is power in the hands of the whole, the collective, the collectivo, uh, or a few persons? Do persons have power because they have proven themselves worthy to be trusted and truthful, or are they in power simply because of phenotype, because of ethnicity, because of social status, because of systemic injustice, sexual orientation, or disability status? In all things, beloved, we must consider the source. Here's one source. Jesus said in John's gospel that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In our text that we're given this morning, Psalm 20, we're ushered immediately into a liturgy into words of call and response as perhaps the leader of Israel is being commissioned, sent out before war. This psalm, unlike so many others, does not begin with lament, woe is me, why did you allow this to happen to me? Oh God, I am nothing, I am dust. Nor does it begin with an enthusiastic uh, 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 liturgy of praise. Oh God, you are worthy of my ultimate fidelity. Nor does it end with radical words of praise. This psalm seems to be a practice of providing proper orientation to both king and people as they consider the source of their power. This psalm is like a teaching moment in the midst of their worship. For, for some, the moment of corporate worship is about coming together to see the people that we like in a place that we love. It's an opportunity to sing songs that we will tolerate 
and read words that we appreciate about a God that we celebrate. While worship does this, indeed, it does so much more. It makes space for so much more. Worship is the opportunity to orient ourselves toward God. In worship, we hear the wonderful words of life and learn that God is God and that we are not. Worship is the place where we come to hear and to rehearse, to rehear the glory of God. It, worship, it right-sizes us in relationship to our problems. And it's instructive for us. So in Psalm 20, we hear Israel and its king rehearsing a truth they have known, but that they are prone to forget. Don't we forget things? And in truth, that truth is that God is God who saw the chaos and called it into order. God is the one who flung the stars into space. That God is the one who separated the waters from the waters so that they could, they could cross over the Red Sea and through the Jordan River. God is the one who makes ways out of no ways. That is the truth they have come to rehearse. That is the power that they seek. Israel had at various times in their relationship of devotion and struggle with God forgotten where their power comes from. They often questioned, as we do, the source of their hope. They questioned, as we do, the source of their deliverance, the source of their provision, even as God was hoping and delivering and providing for them. Consider the story of the Exodus for a moment. God heard God's people suffering and in pain, and so God sent Moses. They were oppressed by cruel masters made to build bricks without straw, and so God sent Moses. Moses brought the people out of, of Egypt, out of Mitzrayim, uh, uh, that, that, that narrow place. God sent plagues through Moses to afflict only the African people of Egypt and not the Israelites. But when they got to the water of the Red Sea, they said, oh, you tricked us. You brought us out here to die. We know what God has done, but we must be brought out here to die and to be captured again. When they got to the Red Sea, they said, it's impossible. This journey has ended. But then God parted the Red Sea. When they got into the middle of the wilderness, they said, we're, we're hungry. And when we were in Egypt, we had pots of meat to eat. I mean, we could get whipped and we might be killed with impunity, but we had pots of meat. We wish we had that. And so, so Moses went to God and God said, I'm going to send manna. What is it? It's manna. No, manna literally translated means, what is it? Flakes like, like coriander, flakes like seed. We, we might think of it as bread, but, but flakes, I'm going to send you some food, some sustenance, and I'm going to send you birds, I'm going to send you quail that's not going to be skittish, but it's going to land on your lawn and you can have as much of it as you would like. The Israelites complained of thirst, and then God provided water from all sources, a, a, a rock, 
and so on and on the stories go, even when they thought they saw God intervene on their behalf before, they panicked and they forgot God's power the next time they needed intervention. Then they saw other tribes make kings over them. And Israel wanted a king. Even though God had been with them, leading them and guiding them and intervening for them and directing them, they, they wanted a king who looked how they thought a king should look. Tall, dark, and handsome. Well, the Bible only says tall and handsome, but I added the dark part. The Israelites forgot the source of their power. They didn't believe that God was enough of a leader, that God was enough of a governor, that God was enough of a defender. So they got a king. They forgot that God and God's power was enough. They so often, as we do, trusted violence and bloodshed and tools of war, tools of conquest and destruction on which they stamped in God we trust and Israel first. Israel knew that they needed worship, they needed hymnody, they needed liturgy to teach them, to train them, to remind them, to reorient them toward the God who makes even Dead things live. And so they sang, we remember the name of the Lord our God. What's in a name? A rose by any other name would still smell as sweet. But there is much in a name. A name not only identifies you, who you are, but it conveys your power and your authority, your character, and your presence. Not only did they remember God's name, but they remembered God's power. They remembered God's authority, who God really was in all of God's godness. They remembered God's persistent presence with them throughout their journey. They remembered the pillar of fire by day and the pillar of cloud by night, which had remained with them in the wilderness. But sometimes, beloved, despite the worship and despite the reminders, despite our warnings, we, like Israel, fail to recognize and honor and consider the source of that good and perfect power which comes, that all creation might grow and thrive and flourish. And we are called, we gathered here today are called to speak God's words of remembrance of judgment and warning like the prophet Nathan who went to King David after he used his power to rape Bathsheba, after he used his power to kill Bathsheba's husband Uriah. God used a prophet by the name of Nathan to go into him, to remind him, to reprimand him, and to call him to reflect. We are called to speak truth like the prophet Elijah, who went to Ahab, another king of Israel, to rebuke him for stealing the land of the people he was entrusted to serve. He, the, Ahab stole the land so that he could build a pipeline. Oh, no, 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 no. 
I mean, a new development. Oh, that's not, that's not right. A parking lot, a, a university, luxury condos. A green belt. No, the role of the church, beloved, the prophetic people of God are to speak truth to those who wield power for selfish gain and to wield power ourselves to make uh, real within our midst that kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the interrelatedness of God and the place where God rules and reigns that God's kingdom would come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called, beloved, enabled, empowered to consider the source. And so I recommend to you that, that power of which the psalmist wrote, saying the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. I recommend to you that power of which Jeremiah said, he has made the earth by power and established the world by God's wisdom and has stretched out the heavens by God's understanding. I recommend to you that power of which Habakkuk said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation, for the Lord God is my strength and God will make my feet like hinds feet and God will make me to walk upon the high places. I recommend that power to which, uh, of which Nahum said, the Lord God is slow to anger and great in power and will not acquit the wicked. Will not acquit the wicked. I'm so glad. God will not acquit the wicked. The Lord hath God's way of being in the whirlwind and by a storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. I recommend the power of which Hosea said, I will abolish the bow, the sword, and and war from the land, and I will make you to lie down in safety, and I will wed you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and in steadfast love and in mercy. I recommend to you that power of which Isaiah said, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. God increases strength and even the youth shall grow weary. Even the young people shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, I'm feeling my Baptist come out, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Beloved, you can put your trust in God's power. I invite you, I implore you with open arms and hearts and hands oriented toward God. I ask you, I beseech you, consider the source. If these words be so among you, I invite you to say, Amen.